Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Hello, Impact Boomers. This is Davinia Vela from Impact Boom. We are here at New Kind Festival with a very special guest today, Erin Young, who is a resident on the Sunshine Coast. She's going to explain to us a lot more about sociocracy and what that means in a business environment. Hello, Erin. Hi, Davinia. It's wonderful to be here with you. Uh, so sociocracy is a framework for helping people that are united in their mission and purpose to use collaborative decision making and shared leadership in how they go about doing their mission in the world. So it's based in circle decision making, using consent as the guiding principle. One of the key features of it is that it really takes the load and responsibility of the hierarchy of the upper rungs to make decisions that impact people further away from them in the organization and whose context they might not really understand and they don't necessarily understand what's happening on the ground to make the right decisions. So sociocracy helps to spread the load of decision making in a safe way for in a psychologically safe way for everyone involved and also in a structurally safe way so that the organizational group know that Things are happening in budget and respecting the energy and time available for everyone there. A key feature of it is that it embraces the collective intelligence of the people who are involved in an organization. It uses the diversity of perspectives and embraces that, which allows people to have ownership over decisions. It allows them a creative outlet. And so it really cultivates and fosters that sort of environment, which allows for a much more generative and emergent reality for an organization. Fantastic. It's taking in consideration everyone's share of the problem and everyone's experiences in the solution that's being formed. That's beautiful. So Erin, could you please share with us a little bit about your background? Who is Erin Young and the work that you do, which you've already explained to us what sociocracy is. It's a little bit of a tongue twister. And also your background, and the work that you're doing and what has led you to be in this space? Mm-hmm. So I've got a background as an environmental engineer and when I was studying that and working in that industry as a consultant, I knew it was the humans and the way humans were thinking and designing that were creating the problems we were trying to engineer into more balance. And it was more exciting for me to go upstream, so to speak, and start to interact on the human level and help the humans to organize themselves to make better decisions that would take into consideration the natural environment and how we all work together with in amongst my travels around the world in my 20s i came across permaculture and it was a really pivotal moment for me to take on a more integrated 
perspective about design and how to understand whole systems thinking. And from that point, I started to merge into the world of social permaculture, which is applying permaculture design principles to how people organize themselves and doing that in a really effective way. And sociocracy came in at that point. And to me, sociocracy is a tool of social permaculture, uses whole systems thinking and approaches to to be in a thriving regenerative state ultimately. So I've worked independently with these practices for about seven or eight years now. I was working for Food Connect in Brisbane, um, which was my introduction to social enterprise about nine years ago, nine or ten years ago, and I learned sociocracy through there because they wanted to become a workers' cooperative at that time and brought in some sociocracy trainers, and I totally caught the bug and have just been travelling with it since then and working with fellow colleagues and peers now who I work with to learn from them and do projects with them. And now I'm in a collective called the Sociocracy Consulting Group. We're an international group there's five of us and we provide online training consult to organizations and I also train and train people in social permaculture and support people to integrate that regenerative reality into how they're setting themselves up and supporting themselves to do the work they want to do in the world it made me what motivated me in this particularly was that it made me sad to see groups and organizations who came together with such important and strong ideas of what to do to help the world be a better place and to see those groups not actually be able to do that because of social dysfunction and they just weren't able to get their act together enough to continue on and be have resilience in their system so it's really driven me to find frameworks and structures that help us humans have healthy living structures that help us to continue doing what we're doing integrating the current context as it emerges and evolves and allow for that adaptive responsiveness in how we do things fantastic yesterday at one of your many talks here at new kind festival you gave a beautiful metaphor of what social permaculture looks like around the forest and i just i was touched so deeply by that that if you'd like to share that with our listeners it would be amazing okay so uh, i think that was the visualization i did about leading into the sociocracy session i did here and it felt very it feels very important to share bring people into whole systems reality that they already know and a forest is a really good example of that and the human body is another really good example because we are living adaptive complex systems already we're not necessarily educated about that it's not part of our collective consciousness that that's how we operate but that is what life is and that's how we're doing things and the more the human mindset can grasp that and work with that the more aligned and harmonized we can be with each other and with the earth and so the forest has all of these different elements that know exactly how to do what they're there to do a tree knows how to be a tree nothing tells it how to do that a bush is a bush a stream is a stream a fish is a fish bird is a bird they're all autonomous elements that are working in symbiosis with each other 
to create a thriving ecology or respond to the conditions that are affecting an ecology. And so life force is just pulsing through the through all of that as it naturally does, as it does through us. And uh, the forest is in its fullness in that way. The tree has a certain territory that it takes up and all the other elements naturally know that and so on and so forth for all the other things. And it's powerful to go into that space because when we apply that analogy into our organisational spaces, we can see the humans inside of that space as an ecology as well. And something you see in a forest is that there are feedback loops that inherently function and move information around. And when we can embrace that inside of our human organisations, share the feedback loops that come through us as individuals being sensory being. We hear, we feel, we taste, we sense. These, this is all information censoring that we can then share and contribute to what's happening in our organization. So sociocracy provides the permission and space to give the feedback so that the subgroups in an organizational departments or the teams have real-time living information to work with so it really uses the humans in an organization as sensory beings and potential to their full potential because along with that sensing comes also the creative invitation i think that to me creativity is one of the greatest natural resources that comes through in a human being when we can allow the space for creativity to be accessed it's almost like there's an endless source of possibility so what we need to do is create the space for that to come through and focus also that energy so that it can be constructive to what we're there to do together so yeah understanding how to set that up is really valuable definitely definitely one of my big thoughts about social enterprise is actually that an organization not only needs to create revenue an environmental cause and the, and the social cause but also take care of its employees and the development of the people that are involved in that organization i don't feel that a social enterprise or an organization that's there to do good can actually do all that good without taking care of its employees and the well-being and and having the creative space for all of those people to extend their full potential and creativity. So, well, can you give us an example, Erin, about a project that you are currently involved in that uses sociocracy as it as its organizational culture or as its uh, operating model? Mm-hmm. Well, so the one I have the most experience with is the collective I work with. And it's an interesting case because we are geographically bred in different countries and different time zones. So we work online and we use sociocracy process to organize our training programs and our consulting and our marketing and all the things we do together. So it's quite fascinating to live in an asynchronous workspace and in a world that has so much more of that remote team reality happening. Some of the projects and people that are coming through who are coming to us about sociocracy are projects like eco-villages. They're quite a classic example of, of a group of people who are open to what sociocracy is and wanting naturally to share the leadership amongst all the people. So I've been involved in some eco-village projects and training them and supporting them in their practice of sociocracy. There's a new project coming online for 
my colleague Gina Price and I, based here in Australia, funeral business that is wanting to really pioneer and progress forward green funerals in Australia. And they're wanting to establish funeral homes around Australia that are working with green funeral principles and really support that to be strong in this country. And they're very naturally embracing sociocracy and wanting to use that the technology of sociocracy to support that to happen and schools are often also like a really interesting place and have a lot of interest in embracing sociocracy in the last century so modern sociocracy kind of stemmed out of practice of Betty Cabri and Keith Booker, wanting, who worked in education space. I'm not sure if it was in Europe or the US, but they wanted the children that were in the school they were working with to be involved in decision-making, the children to make decisions about how their school was being run. They, the, these two adults didn't want the adults to be the only decision-makers for the school. And so they really experimented with these ideas and theories that have been coming through sociology and coming through cybernetics and systems theory about how do we set up human systems to be in integrity and and children take really well to practices like sociocracy. They get it like they get so many things. They know how to turn up and ask questions when they're not clear on something and they know how to show up and say this is my response to a proposal that we're putting out on the table and here's what I have to say about what I can what might not be working about this so children are a great great malleable (laughs) space to share sociocracy with and so there's many examples of that and it's not I don't know if it's exactly sociocracy but very similar principles of the children's parliament in India having what seems to be a a broadening and huge impact of of neighbourhood parliamentary sittings with children in big circles and they representative conversations around areas like the environment and healthcare and things like that and allowing children's voices to come into it. So there's a lot of adaptability of a structure like sociocracy. I tend to say that it's it's like the skeleton in our body or an operating system, so to speak, when it goes into an organization or to a group, that group then design through the processes of sociocracy how it actually looks for them. Some people, some groups might need to be meeting often and they might decide that they want to do some really interactive processes to help them make decisions if they're more creative types they might need to do particular creative processes to support them in their decision making there might be some really like straight laced corporate types who want to sit in the boardroom and just do it really solidly like that and so there's a lot of flexibility and adaptability and essentially it's a co-design process that everyone in that space takes on so it looks different for a lot of people everyone yeah that's amazing so have you seen the popular approach shift in the last five years to be more accommodating to shared leadership and different models of running organizations and businesses yeah i I think what comes up for me inside of that is parallel world of organizational design which incorporates lean and agile processing and project organization and probably many other things and the lean and agile world is works with shorter time frames to it's very experimental and having 
lots of process around that, but it's very experimental, empirical, and emergent. And it's it stems out of the software space, and it's now going into other industries where people are seeing the value in prototyping and rapid prototyping that comes through that way. So in the in that sort of space, there's there's also more openness to okay, we're we're designing our products and our services differently, and a natural that understanding that our the decision makings of the teams also wants to be run differently. The classic top down hierarchy or even majority vote and democracy has a place and is useful in a lot of situations and it, they have many limitations and organizations that are living spaces tend to respond more openly when there's these deeply inclusive emergent processes to incorporate the people inside of the organization into how things are designed and run. Definitely. Well, it's a quick changing world that we're living in and we're all adapting very quickly to the changes that are happening around us. And just even after a few days here at Newkind, it feels very evident that this change is not going to slow down at all, but it's just going to become more and more intense and, and a yeah. quick, quick turnaround. So Erin, in, in your opinion, how does sociocracy fit within a social enterprise model when we often see that a lot of founders kind of have, are holding the vision for everyone? So it becomes, there's a little bit of a juxtaposition there when you've got someone that's a social entrepreneur that's holding the vision in their head and wants things to go as, as he or she has imagined to then sharing that leadership and how would that look in a shared leadership sociocracy model where, you know, in social enterprise, you almost sometimes need that vision and that drive coming from a, a leader. Yeah, absolutely. So, so sociocracy has, uses the North Star of the vision and the mission of the organization to guide everything that happens, trickles down from that like any classic organization you know that's not new so social enterprises just like any other enterprise will usually have something like a vision and a mission guiding what it does and so inside of a sociocracy structure it then says okay so that's what we're all working to together that's our collective bullseye and so what we'll now do is for the teams that have specific purpose to help that to happen for example the ad- administration team Marketing communications might be another team. IT might be another team. Whoever might be manufacturing or producing something in particular or on the floor or serving the customers, they might be another team. And they will have specific aims that they are producing or providing to contribute to that what the mission is. And so with those aims comes the secondary bullseye that guides what that team are specifically doing and that team have the autonomy to make decisions about how they do the work so the admin team decide how admin team does the work and there are feedback loops as I've mentioned that feed information back up to the broader whole organization as a whole there will also usually be a circle called something like the mission circle something like that that holds the eagle eye perspective of what the whole organization is about they will be in touch with the legalities 
that influence the, the activities of the organization. They will be in touch with the financials, the broader perspective of what's going on in the wider environment that that social enterprise fits into. So that's where the visionary likes to sit. Why, that's why they've started this, this social enterprise because they have been aware of the greater context and they see a role that this organization has to fill. And so that's a really important place to hold and that mission circle will usually be the core driver in creating the mission that gets consented to by a representative group inside of the social enterprise so so yeah social enterprise like any other enterprise will have its teams and divisions that have a very specific focus and quite often people ask well what happens if you only have three people who are doing your work because quite often social enterprises and startups start with a small number of people and they grow from there and i you know i think it's it becomes you can adapt sociocracy to work for that because there's still media and communications that go on with with three people there's still the production or manufacture that goes on there's still the administration that happens and really what then happens is clustering the conversation so that when there's a a discussion about the marketing the three people know what their aims are what they're specifically trying to produce or provide in their marketing so every the three people might be involved in all of those teams but it's about how to organize the conversation space to establish focused and effective activities and decisions inside of that those areas so the difficult question what happens when the ego comes into the game well a classic phrase to we lean into is trust the process for me this is where the brilliance of working in a whole systems way really comes in of course the ego comes in and because we're human what we're afforded with something like sociocracy are guardrails or the safe space where we know we're being held in hard discussions or making hard decisions or even innovative decisions or whatever it might be where we're still we still know what we can rely on is that we'll have a space to ask the questions we need to ask we'll have a space to give our opinion and our reaction as we feel we need to and we know, we know we'll hear from other people if they have questions we'll hear from other people if what their reactions are and we'll hear we know that there's space for other people's ideas and creativity to come in so there's this there's a level of transparency that's woven into all of this along with an equivalence so there's no people aren't telling other people what to do as well as with an overall focus on being effective in all of this activity that creates this psychologically safe space for people to do what they've got to do given the changing context and complexity of conditions that that might come through for for an organization so for me something like sociocracy is a living structure that holds us in all of our humanity all of our overinflated ego if that comes through or our cre- creative breakthroughs or our vulnerable fragile moments it allows us to do all that and we under- we all understand how how it will operate when we're in those spaces and times and absolutely there are exceptions to this and sociocracy is no silver bullet people have to do the work and i heard someone here at newkind say that 
organization and individual transformation are hand-in-hand processes. They often drive each other. So an individual's transformation will feed into an organization's transformation and vice versa. So there's a lot of medicine, so to speak, or there's natural evolution that comes through a living system like sociocracy. Fantastic. That was that was really inspirational, Erin. It's it's a beautiful way how you describe and put um, relationship that can happen within an organization because, it, you know, we don't always choose the people that we need to work with, but we have to work with those people, and we also have to get along with the rest of humanity. So it's a, it's very it's very important to have ways and structures how we can manage that. I'd like to ask you, what advice would you give social enterprise founders that are looking into taking on a sociocracy model for their organization? The advice I would give to social enterprise founders wanting to take on something like sociocracy is be willing to trust the process, be willing to trust collective intelligence and to trust the space for, for there to be boundaries as well, to trust that Things emerge and evolve in the and and they can emerge and evolve in a constructive way when people come together with the willingness to be together as a whole system and which is inherently inclusive and it allows that deeper wisdom of the group to really feed in. And to also take it step by step and piece by piece, not expecting change to necessarily be overnight and to be rapid, able to be in the emergent experimental space and to see what's real and what really works for that time and that place is a pretty key step. For all of us in being alive in this time right now, that's pretty pretty important approach for for all of us humans and i think this is some of the commentary that's coming out about our governments and our bigger governance systems that direct how things happen in society there's quite a fragility inside of those systems because there's such a complexity of structures that don't have a lot of flex and adaptiveness inside of them and so they there's some brick walls that are starting to really become obvious and so when we're able to give space for the unknown to come into our world and for us to navigate through that step by step then we can find ourselves finding new frontiers that are relevant and real and important to us and you know social enterprise is a responsive adaptive way of being in this world it's got it's contributing something that's needed to find more balance and it's it's inherently inclusive and so by being willing to be inclusive internally inside of the organization as well as externally is a really powerful way to be so there's no trick books sociocracy 101 that someone can download and get all the points and then there's plenty of stuff online there i mean there's there's lots of okay one one like let's bring it down to a really practical level thank you is be willing to allow people to ask questions about decisions that are being made be willing to allow people to give their responses and opinions they don't necessarily need to make the decisions but be willing to hear and this isn't really new information and be willing to measure the decisions the the impact of the decisions when you're making a decision about something or how you're going to do something inside of a team find a way to put a measurable on that 
that's also not new, but it's not standard business either. Measure everything (laughs) and then review everything and put a time frame on it. Do this for six months and we'll see. And in six months time, we'll check in and make sure that we are on the course we want to be on. And if not, we'll course correct and we'll adapt what we're doing to be more relevant to where we actually want to go. It's a lot like sailing in that way. And sometimes sailing, you've got to go in another, it's not, you don't just go straight to the target all the time. You've got to tack your way forward. And that's the experimentation process. Let's go in that direction. Oh, okay. We've got to go slightly over this way and slightly over this way. So being willing to sniff out the path through experimentation. And like with a lot of social innovation approaches, they're not brand new. They have been practiced before. It's just that we have either forgotten or have not incorporated those in our normal business business approaches or in our normal day-to-day approaches. So mm-hmm. I think the realigning and having that space for people to voice their questions and their solutions and also allow for those mistakes within or parts that will not be taken for the long term. But when, as you just said, when you put a date and an impact measurement on a decision that is taken collectively or not, then at least you can recourse that if it's not going as planned. Yeah. And a byproduct of doing that and particularly using sociocracy processes that there's shared ownership and responsibility for decisions and that naturally brings a sense of resilience to a system because it means there's more minds and hearts paying attention to what's going on and people are keenly watching like oh we made that decision together it's not quite working as we wanted it to here's my suggestion on how we could change it or like an inquiry and it, and it, it allows for that that curiosity to be alive in everyone and not just the leader. It creates a sense of responsibility inside of everyone, which holds the whole the load of the whole organization in a more, in a stronger way. Oh, fantastic! That's that's awesome. Erin, could you point our listeners towards some further reading or some websites where they can find some more information about sociocracy? Yeah, for sure. So sociocracyconsulting.com is the the group that I work with and we write blogs and share information and we also do training and and consult through there. So that's a key one. We the people creating a deeper democracy, I believe it's called, by John Buck and Sharon Filnez is one of the key English language sociocracy books. It was first really coined in the Dutch language and so it's been translated from there. There's a lot of resources that are being put out by Sociocracy for All as well online, lots of YouTube videos to be watched. And they've also written a book called Many Voices, One Song on Sociocracy Practice. So there are a few of the resources available. Fantastic. Thank you very much. On a different note, Erin is from the Sunshine Coast, which is a place where I'm also from. So we're going to have a very little chat about the regional opportunities for impact and purpose-led businesses around the Sunshine Coast and how we see that develop into a better, impactful space. So Erin, your experience living on the Sunshine Coast, have you found that a, a place where your business and also your aligned approach to certain organizational structures, a place where you can flourish and thrive? To be honest, no. I think it's possible there. And my because of the nature of the group that I work with, we're further afield more often than not. Something I think a lot of 
sunny coasters discover is particularly if you're living in the hills and away from the key business areas is that being entrepreneurial is really important the employment opportunities there aren't as vast as somewhere like brisbane where i'm originally from and so there's a lot of people creating micro and small business on the Sunshine Coast and there's a lot of natural connection and collaboration and networking that goes on because it's a smallish community and people can connect with each other. And I think there's, there is a surprisingly and exciting amount of innovation that does go on in that sort of space. Somehow it's like being outside of the city and due to the, the nature element of being on the Sunshine Coast that holds the space for this mental spaciousness and creative spaciousness where people can see what's going on and the needs that are there and then create responses through business and enterprise. So there is there what I do know is there is some great initiatives happening on the Sunshine Coast more and more and I'm really looking forward to getting out there more and, and being more real on the ground in the place where I live. I mean part of my story is that I live in a forest and I work from home and I'm learning how to engage and interact in a space where it's not all on offer like it was in Brisbane <laughs> where I'm from. So yeah, that's a new that's new territory for me that I'm exploring. Yes, um, my my feeling with the Sunshine Coast is is very similar to that. The nature is so beautiful, and it allows that space that the city does not allow. You know that that space to think. There's less noise, less, less emissions, I guess, and less electricity around. So it makes for better thinking. What I am worried about is something that you also mentioned that we sometimes end up working in our little silos, sometimes in working remotely. So completely disconnected from our community and we're trying to do what we are we're doing great things with communities that we're working remotely with and sometimes we can't you know, belong into our geographical community because of a variety of things yeah. it's it's nice to see work when it does well some some beautiful clusters of people yeah. and it, it's really lovely to share that creative vibe with a lot of other people too lots of musicians there mm. lots of um, eco businesses which is nice yeah and there's a lot of people who move from cities to have their tree or sea change as well so there's a lot of great intellectual resource and creative resource that comes in from people who've moved from melbourne or sydney or brisbane and finding a way to connect in with that's something that's emerging yeah, yeah. We should actually start like a online collective. <laughs> this might or be a new idea. <laughs> yeah. We could definitely because there are a large number of people that are working that are doing some amazing work in in their little corners, and if all those resources and all those minds and hearts come together, my gosh, yeah, <laughs> how exciting yeah. would that be? <laughs> yeah, it's creating, cultivating the ecology of people in that region and I think quite naturally it is important for us to have a sense of what the relevance inside of that connectivity it's important for us humans to follow what brings us joy and we can't we have to have limits as well to who we interact with we can't we just simply can't interact with everyone so yeah that, that would be something that I would want to incorporate into some sort of way of networking is to to bring that particular focus area of creative social enterprise that it's got some specific similarity and purpose that helps it to really be beneficial to each other 
Definitely. We'll definitely work on that together, I reckon, Erin. So this was Erin Young talking to us about sociocracy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.